Hi guys, welcome to the, uh, the first official episode of the Two Girls One Book podcast for 2023. I am Hannah and I am joined by the lovely Rhiannon. Hi. Hi. Say hi. Hi. <laughs> um, <laughs> we are going to talk to you today about the reads that we've done in the last month or so without each other um, over the festive period. And it'll be quick five minute-ish chats, spoiler free as much as we can, just to give you an idea of whether or not they might be for you. Absolutely. So I'm going to kick things off and we're going to get it out of the way early. I did read a few festive books, two of which we talked about um, on our featured read episode. Um, but there's, yeah, there's like a couple festive type numbers in here. Um, the first one that I'm going to talk about is the most festive. So we're just going to get it in there and then forget that Christmas ever happened. <laughs> um, so this one is a book by Sarah Morgan. I read one of her festive ones last Christmas and enjoyed it. So I went for another one, Snowden for Christmas. And this is your classic Christmas, cosy, full of eye rolls kind <laughs> of read that Hannah probably would never pick up in a million years. But I very much enjoyed it. It was exactly what I needed, just easy. Um, it's basically about a fairly seemingly perfect family who are from Scotland, the three siblings have gone off to do their own things. The dad runs a successful shortbread company. There's like, oh. there's so many things in here. It's, it, and they live in like the most beautiful village with like an amazing house and open fires and they properly go all out for Christmas. And, right. Like full of traditions. And, and then there's... Um, another girl Lucy who basically doesn't have any family and she somehow ends up stuck at their house for Christmas right and we learn all about their different family dramas so, so on the face of it everything's perfect but obviously mm. nothing's ever perfect so we learn about the family dramas and obviously there's going to be romance and snow <laughs> And that's pretty much it. Um, it was, it was, yeah, it was a really nice, nice little read. I, I quite enjoy reading Sarah Morgan's Christmas books. Um, they are what they say on the tin, basically. Yeah. Uh, nothing life changing, but nice enough characters who I cared enough about to read their story. <laughs> Right. Does she write anything so, that isn't Christmassy, or is she just a Christmas? That's a very good question. Probably. Um, I just wonder I these know. authors that have all of these Christmas oh, books. Yeah. Do they spend all year just waiting for Christmas to bring out their new book, and then that's it every year? No, there's loads. She's got right. loads. Um, yeah, there's there's plenty of Christmassy ones, but yeah. she's she's got a series set in Manhattan as well. Ooh. Maybe I I'd love that. Yeah. Um, sleepless in Manhattan, sunset in Central Park, miracle on Fifth Avenue, New York. Actually, oh, <laughs> that sounds like horrific cheese that I probably <laughs> absolutely adore. Yeah, so maybe I maybe I need to get involved. Um, she's sold over twenty one million books worldwide, so she's doing. I mean, she's she's got a formula that works for her. Yeah, 
I think is uh, the thing there. But yeah, I like I say, if if you want kind of a formulaic Christmas read that will give you good vibes in January, <laughs> <laughs> maybe put it on the shelf for next Christmas. I don't know. Right. Um, but yeah. Okay. There you go. Um, I have nothing Christmassy, so there is no tenuous link here. My <laughs> first, my first book um, is Lanny by Max Porter. So uh, anybody that listened to our best of twenty twenty two episode will have heard that Max Porter's Grief is the Thing with Feathers was my one of my top reads. So this was his next book. Um, it's a little bit longer and a little bit more of a um, classic kind of prose story vibe rather than the kind of weird poetry thing that was going on in the grief is the thing with feathers um lanny is this wild little boy who lives in the countryside with his mum and his dad he's very in touch with nature builds dens talks to trees and is very aware of kind of his surroundings and also who he is as a as a little boy um the book is told from the different perspectives of his mum, who just adores and dotes on him, thinks he's amazing. His father, who is a little bit less connected, um, still very caring, but doesn't have that kind of deep, deep connection. Um, this local artist called Pete and a mysterious character called Dead Papa Toothwort, who is a spirit who lives within the nature and has seen all of the lives that have ever been lived in this countryside village. Um, so there's different kind of threads going through and different viewpoints of Lanny and who he is from their perspectives. Um, the really interesting thing is that from Dead Papa Toothwort's perspective, he because he's got this wealth of knowledge of everyone that's lived in this village, you get sentences and snippets of conversations that he's heard throughout years in history of people who are just in the pub having a chat, someone gossiping about their neighbour. So those threads are woven in through the story. Okay. Um, really beautifully. He, I said in the last episode, he just writes in this like super natural flowing way, which just feels happy and just exciting okay. to me. Um, there is a little bit of danger in that Lanny goes missing. And we're not quite sure, has somebody taken him? Has he just got lost because he wanders off? He's that kind of a kid. There's a little bit of danger and an element of that kind of mystery there, which is quite tense, actually. Like, I found it really quite worrying because you care so much for this little boy. He's such a fun little character. Um, yeah, it's it's a really fun, interesting little book, quite in touch with nature, but not in a preachy way. Okay. And I really, really loved it. Nice. Great, great little book. Cool. Oh, there's a theme with all of my books this week, which is that they're very short. Because I did the thing that I do every year and mm -hmm. panic when I get to the end of the year and haven't got close to my reading target. So I pick all of the tiny books off my shelf and try and bosh them all out at the end of the year. <laughs> um <laughs> I know I hate myself. I know I'd messaged Rhiannon and was like, I don't know yeah. why I do this. I hate myself, but You're an idiot. we're here again. Um, so, so my next one is another little one. I also went on a little run of um, Booker Prize winners and shortlist um, reads. 
So this is Treacle Walker by Alan Garner, which was on the Booker Prize shortlist last year. It's similar kind of vibe to Lanny in that it is kind of a coming-of-age story of a wild little boy who's got um, an imagination bigger than most kids his age. Uh, so Joe is this kid protagonist that we meet and through the whole book you're, you don't ever hear mention of his parents at all so you don't know really how old he is, where his parents are, what the situation is. And he meets this rag and bone man called Treacle Walker who offers him a cup and a stone in exchange for some pyjamas and a bone. So it's kind of a, a mad little mystical story of the adventure that Joe then goes on as a result of his coming into contact with Treacle Walker, this rag and bone man. Um, okay. So there's a little a little man that lives in the bog that he meets who tells him about um, a gift that, that Joe has and he can go into different worlds and experience things that he... that maybe don't, doesn't exist, but in his mind they're very vivid. It's very short and sweet, really, really cute coming of age story um also like really quite thought provoking because there's a lot of like almost like quantum physicsy type stuff but okay. written in a really accessible way so the idea of time not being real and it being made up that's all kind of intertwined with joe's gift that he has so yeah. i'd yeah i'd fully recommend it i okay. thought it was great nice Okay, well, my next one is uh, a small one. Yep. Is, is that the tenuous link? <laughs> well, that yeah. and the kind of uh, thought-provoking Okay, fine. fair enough. <laughs> um, so this one I picked up uh, just purely because Hannah said it was her favourite book. Yep. Ever. Ever. Uh, um. <laughs> So this is the Slaughterhouse, or Slaughterhouse 5. I don't know why I keep wanting to put the Slaughterhouse 5. <laughs> it's just Slaughterhouse 5 um, by Kurt Vonnegut. And I would never have picked this up. And I would, I don't think I'd have ever heard of it, to be honest. It's a classic. Yep. Um, but it's so not my wheelhouse that I think I, I just, it wouldn't have crossed my path. Yeah. Um, but I quite enjoyed it. Yay! Yeah, so Hannah can probably speak far more eloquently <laughs> and coherently than I can about this one. Um, but essentially, this is a little book about Billy Pilgrim, who somehow ended up being a prisoner of war. And he's also an optometrist and he travels in time. <laughs> um, the back of the book, like, perfectly sums up exactly what it's about but like when i went into it reading the the back of it i was just like this this sounds mad yeah and it and it, it is it that's exactly what it says <laughs> um i i will admit that i found like i really enjoyed the writing i i found the writing to be uh like easy to comprehend and f which I think is good because the bit that was sort of confusing is the um, the time travel element is very erratic. We yeah. are like shuttled back and forth to different points in Billy's life. Um, and I, I think the fact that um, 
I was so easily transported to those places. Like that's like that says a lot about the writing. Yeah. Um. But but yeah, it usually took me a bit of a moment to be like, oh right, okay, where am I now? Yeah. <laughs> uh, um. But but yeah, no, I really enjoyed it. So it's it he Billy Pilgrim is like he's a weird guy. Yeah. <laughs> um. So trying to mesh my brain with his which like i said is is an it's an erratic brain it's an erratic timeline and it's an erratic brain yeah i think that was something that i found a little tricky to do but i yeah it like you say it's it's a thought provoking read it's like it's a, basically an anti-war message isn't it yeah. like that's the that's the whole point of the book yeah um but it's that's it's in a kind of abstract way, so it's not like a manifesto. Yeah. Set up, but yeah, yeah. I I I enjoyed it more than I thought I would after Good. reading the back of it. Yes. Um, I just so, think yeah. he's such a clever satirical writer. Yeah, it is. It's funny. Yeah, yeah. And it is that it's like you said, it's an anti anti war book, but it doesn't feel preachy because of the no. way that it's presented. That it's presented in this kind of wacky, a little bit out there story, and yeah. you almost don't realise what it is that that you're the path you're being led down until you're all the way down it. Um, yeah, I just I love his writing. I will scream and shout about it forever. But this one is one, which I think is probably the more accessible because it's it's got yeah. a clear kind of storyline and. Um, plot where it's going and the message it's trying to give um he's he's one of my favorite authors ever and this is i'm very pleased you got around to reading it yeah so i mean he's he's written quite a quite a lot Mm -hmm. so what books have you what what other books have you read Um, by him that you've enjoyed breakfast of champions there is one called cat's cradle Yes, yeah, yeah. And one which is also a very dinky little one, which is called Slapstick or Lonesome No More, which is kind of semi-autobiographical, yeah. which is a fun little okay. one. And that's a tiny, tiny one. So um, it might be worth dipping your toe into that one. Mm. But There's some yeah. funny titles. <laughs> um, okay, cool. Well, I might I might consider reading a little bit more because I didn't, I didn't dislike it at all. Nice. I'm very pleased. Good. <laughs> um, I've got another dinky little one and another Booker Prize shortlist next, which mm. is Small Things Like These by Claire Keegan, which I think you would really, really enjoy. Okay. So it is historical fiction, I, I guess. So it's set in 1985, which okay it's almost like our era because we were both born in the late 80s but it still feels definitely like it's a different time in history so i guess it counts again little dinky book it's centers around the infamous magdalene laundries in ireland where um it's estimated that something like thirty thousand women were incarcerated unwed mothers young mothers um and their babies were taken and either re- given away or killed in some cases so it's quite a bleak backdrop mm. to the story but there is a central protagonist called Bill Furlong who is the guy that we follow he is a coal merchant 
um, in this little Irish village. And it's all set around a very small time period around Christmas. So he's delivering coal around the village. He delivers to the convent and he comes across a girl locked in the coal house. Um, she comes up with one story. The nuns come up with another story. He doesn't really quite know what to believe. And he goes away and it plays on his mind. And it's it's a lot of his internal thoughts of what should he do? Will he act upon it? How would he act upon it? Um, and he... I won't give away the decision that he does make, but his internal thoughts and, and monologue about the decision that he does make is just very um, tender and heartfelt and really sweet. He's just a sweet, nice man. Um, nice. He was born to... a unwed mother as well so he kind of considers his life were his mother in a different scenario whether she had ended up in one of these laundries herself um where would he have been where would his family have been he's got daughters and he it's all of his thoughts on that and and um kind of wrangling with religion as well obviously it's a it's an emotive topic in ireland in the 80s um so it's just a really interesting, sweet, like very short, succinct story. It's tight. It's moving. Really, really good. Cool. Yeah, it does sound like something that I would be able to get on board with. Yeah. So I will. I'll look it up. Oh me again. Oh no. Yeah. I'm looking at my list now. Basically like, a monologue. <laughs> um. <laughs> This one is actually a, li- a little bit bigger than some of the others that I've read. Um, and it is the Booker Prize winner for last year, yeah. The Seven Moons of Marley Almeida by, apologies if I pronounce this wrong, Shihan Karunatilaka, um, which I went into blind. I listened to the audiobook mm. and I just went, it was the Booker Prize winner. I probably should listen or read it. And it was such a great book that I can't believe I hadn't picked it up to read it before. Um, yeah. I've seen it start... I hadn't... Re- it wasn't on my radar, but I've seen it quite a lot over the last few weeks, so I feel like quite a few people have maybe... Done the same thing. <laughs> yeah, done the same thing, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a beautiful book. It's bright, bright colours, yeah, yeah, yeah. gorgeous book, so I probably would have noticed it. Um, so the basic premise, without spoiling anything, is it's set in 1980s Sri Lanka, which is a time... I quite naively was not massively aware of the um, political unrest and violence that was rife in Sri Lanka in those days. Um, the protagonist, Mali Almeida, we meet him and he, within the first few pages, wakes up and he is dead right at the very beginning. Okay. Um, he is a really interesting character. He is a photographer born to a Sinhalese dad and a burger mum so that's two different factions of Sri Lankans he's a um, prolific gambler doesn't believe in God of any kind and he's also a gay man so he's a super complex really interesting character from the off yeah um and he wakes up dead and is told that he has got seven moons so seven nights in which he can carry out his last bits of business basically whatever he chooses so some souls would choose to maybe just watch their family and make sure that they're fine he chooses that he wants to get the political message that he was photographing 
out into the public. Um, so as part of his job as a photographer, he's photographed war zones and different kind of political um, situations. He's got these negatives stashed somewhere and he wants to get the message to one of his friends where to find them. Um, so we follow him through these seven moons as he learns more about himself, learns about the people that he had surrounded himself with and the effect that he had had in his role as a photographer um, on the civil unrest that there'd, that there'd been. Um, and it is so in-depth, firstly, it's a long book, really, really detailed, really in-depth, but there is not a point where I was either lost or bored. It was all really, really interesting and thought-provoking thought is the theme of the day because um, yeah. there's a lot of thought of um, how much you've left behind in the world when you've gone, what have you actually done, what change have you affected. Um, yeah. It's it's such a good book and very interesting, full of really great imagery of the kind of souls that are floating around, having their seven moons. Um, definitely really, really worth a read and a well-worthy winner of the Booker Prize. So I would nice. recommend it wholeheartedly. Great. And you li you listened to it, so was the audiobook good? The audiobook was great and I think probably helped because it was read by, I think, a Sri Lankan narrator. So all of the accents and intonations, pronunciations of the words were spot on. I don't know if you read it sometimes whether I would know exactly the pronunciations. Sure. Um so yeah, listening was definitely, definitely good. And it's one of those immersive audiobooks. So you feel okay. like you're in it. And, and I was like lost in it. By the time I got to work, I was like, okay, where am I? What am I doing? <laughs> um, okay. So yeah, great, great nice. book. Fabulous. Sounds good. Mm -hmm. uh, so this one, very tenuous link mm -hmm. uh, to my next one. Uh, it's from The Seven Moons to Seven Days. Yeah. Um, which I think is probably a very different different vibe. Um, <laughs> but I fancied a thriller. So I picked this one quite, a, picked it up quite a while ago. Um, Seven Days by Alex Lake. And I think I saw it on maybe a couple of people's uh, bookstagram, like a, random reviews that just like piqued my interest. So I picked mm -hmm. it up um, and saved it for when I fancied a thriller because every so often I think I need I, I think it was because I was reading loads of Christmas books and I just wanted something that was a bit <laughs> bit dark and twisted and this is pretty dark and twisted it's like a it's a psychological thriller okay um and I mean it's hard to say too much about thrillers but basically the back of the book tells you all all that you need to know but um essentially it's about a um girl Maggie um and um it's a dual timeline thing uh but she has she basically got abducted when she was 15 yeah yeah 15 um and she's uh given birth to um three sons in that time um but on their third birthday the sons have been taken away right. from her and she doesn't know what's happened to them. 
Um, so this third sun, we, we, we're set in the time period where the third sun is going to turn three in seven days time. Ah. So, and then it like alternates back between what's happening now and how, how is she going to get out? Is she going to get out? What's going to happen to her son? And then going back and sort of explaining like everything that's going on with her family and the search for her and all of that kind of thing. Um, and it was great loved it it was a it was a really good psychological thriller it's i mean it's it's grim because obviously she is abused Mm -hmm. um she's not having these children by choice and she is uh imprisoned in a room with no amenities whatsoever Mm -hmm. um but yeah it was it was really really interesting kept me guessing like you find out who it you find out quite a lot about her captor quite early on right but you like that didn't that didn't stop me from wondering how it was all going to come to a head yeah um yeah it was really it was a really good thriller i very much enjoyed it sounds great it sounds yeah. right up my street yeah, yeah, it was like it that. was one one to power one to power through. It was kind of like um you know I read um Girl A ages ago, it was so long ago, um and that was about like a family uh like the kids basically ended up being like chained up. Yes, yeah. Um, and it was this felt like it it had similar sort of vibes, but this achieved it better. Okay. Um. Yeah, really, really enjoyed it. And I definitely would read more by Alex Lake. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, I think I might try and put my review up for that tomorrow. Is it my review day tomorrow? It is, absolutely. At the time of recording. <laughs> um, so, yeah, this that'll already be up by the yeah. time you hear this. But, um, yeah, I think, you'll, I think you'll enjoy it as like a quick... I, mean, I don't want to say light read. It's not light in any way, shape, or form. But yeah. like, pacey thriller. Yeah, a little thing. palate cleanser from all the thought-provoking nonsense yeah. that I read. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then I'm go- oh, I'm doing two in a row, am I? Yep. There we go. Um, so the next one. Uh, I mean, again, I was kind of on a bit of a. I want a. This isn't a thriller. It's more of a who done it, and it's a Christmassy who done it. Okay. Uh, like a crime detective novel and apparently it's the third in the series um and i i didn't know that when i picked it up but i don't (laughs) think it didn't it didn't really make a difference it's one of those ones that that can be a standalone yeah um so this is uh the winter killer by alex pine Mm -hmm. so we've got alex lake and we've got alex pine um (laughs) so but it's um basically a detective who lives in Cumbria in south in the South Lakes, so it's in my neck of the woods, um, and there's a murder at a wedding on New Year's Eve in a big fancy hotel on the shore of Lake Windermere, and it was fine. It like it it didn't blow me away, and I guessed very early on who I thought the protagonist, uh, who I thought that the um, killer was going to be. But it it did sort of throw me off a couple of times, um, but I, I felt quite satisfied in my 
in my judgment that I right. figured it out. Um, but yeah, it was it was absolutely fine. I didn't mind it at all. Okay. I think it, I'm probably being harsh because I'd I'd literally come from reading seven days and really enjoyed that as yeah. a as a thriller and this this isn't it's it's a different thing yeah but i think i was just in my mind i was like wanting a sl- slightly more of the same yeah um and it wasn't quite as hard hitting as i needed right. it to be okay but it's a it's a christmas thing so is that really twisted if i wanted it to be like really <laughs> grim and hard hitting <laughs> i don't know maybe you influenced me hannah i don't know <laughs> i'm sorry yeah well this is the this is getting our own back for you making me read the other christmas books now you want more grim horrible stuff yeah (laughs) yeah maybe maybe so (laughs) okay well i've got one which is um kind of grim and horrible although not as graphic as i was expecting it to be so this is we had to remove this post by hannah berwitz um it's translated from the original dutch by emma rolt um, and Rhiannon bought me this for my birthday. She sent me a little package of pink books for my birthday. This was one of them. The simple premise is that the main character, Kaylee, is or was a content moderator on a social media site, very close in description to Meta or what would have been Facebook. Okay. Um, so it's obviously a fictional company, but it's clear that it's definitely inspired by those big yeah. social media conglomerate guys um she's contacted by a lawyer who is working with some of her ex-colleagues who are bringing a lawsuit against said company uh, as a result of the mental issues mental health issues that they've succumbed to as a result of their job um and the book is set almost as like a letter back to this lawyer explaining what has happened in her time there and the effect that it had on her it's only a little, again, another little one because I was rattling through the little ones, but it packs a punch in its in its short space. Um, the really interesting thing, which I hadn't really considered, is that it seems like, I don't know how much of it is based in fact, but I imagine she probably researched quite a lot, that the really strict criteria that the content moderators have to follow when deciding if a post is removed or not sometimes leads to decisions that they disagree with but that based on the very strict rules technically it hasn't broken the rules right Um, okay yeah so one of the examples that they use just to give you an idea is um the idea of would a video with two this is a bit graphic two dead kittens video of that would not be considered as um animal abuse because the kittens were already dead when the video began Right. Even if you'd previously seen a video in which the same uploaded, the same person was behaving in a violent manner, the second video would be fine to leave up, even if he's doing horrible things with them now, because they're already dead. And that idea of the kind of twisting of the rules that your, your heart is telling you, well, that's awful, you need to take that down but according to the rules, it's fine. And how much that just screws their brains up and Mm. they struggle to make decisions in their own lives and what's right and what's wrong and um, judging situations 
within those guidelines in their own lives. Um, yeah. Super thought-provoking. Um, and the idea of the that kind of unreliability of a subjective interpretation that something I might consider as as wrong, Joe Bloggs around the corner might think is perfectly fine. Um, it's it's a really, really well done little book um, and pretty scary given that this is life, this is what happens. Yeah. So yeah, I thought it was really, really interesting. Good little Sounds book. It. Yeah, I think I would enjoy that. I, I, I think I would find it disturbing, but yeah, that... It's not super graphic. I was expecting there'd be a lot more like graphic descriptions of things that they had to sure. remove. There isn't that much of it. Okay. Um. So I wouldn't worry about it from that point. It's just more the okay. kind of thought that it makes you have of like, oh goodness, yeah, this yeah, is yeah, what's yeah, going yeah. on behind the scenes. Yeah. And when you see a video on Twitter and you go, how is that allowed to be up? And you know mm. it's gone through all of these processes and the rules, the criteria haven't been met to remove it, even though it's very sure. clearly wrong and bad. Um, yeah, really great. Read it. Cool. Okay. I'm on to my last book. Um, so this one I picked up as part of nonfiction November, but here we are in January. (laughs) Uh, basically I, I didn't want to rush it. It's not a big book, but it's got, it's, there's a hell of a lot in it. So this is The Transgender Issue by Sean Fay. And I've been wanting to read this for ages. Um, it's Having said that Slaughterhouse-Five is uh, not a manifesto, this most definitely is. Right. It's, um, it's a book that I wanted to read because I want to know more mm-hmm. about trans- the, the issues facing transgender people and society in general um it's it's much more than just a book about being transgender Mm -hmm. that we we learn a lot about the history um and the political landscape in which in which we live in um and have lived in in the past um but I don't know, There's just, there was so much in this that I, yeah, I sort of got halfway through it and was like, I need to sort of process this and I need to like give it a bit more of my attention because it's it's not something that you can just sort of gloss through because there's a lot, it's a lot in it. It's, it's very accessible. Mm-hmm. It's just got so much <laughs> packed into its small, because uh, it's only what, 200 and, it's less than 300 pages. Right. Um, like 260 odd pages of like, actual uh writing um but yeah Sean Fay obviously knows what she's talking about she herself is transgender and mm. she speaks a little bit a bit about her own personal experiences but it's so well researched that she talks to loads of other different people about their um their experiences as well and like, I, f- I find it hard to talk about it because I'm never going to say anything anywhere near as eloquently as yeah. <laughs> as she can put it. Um, but it's it's a book that I'm glad that I have read, and it's a book that I will probably like dip in back into, especially if I'm relating it to other things I'm reading about as well. I think that's probably um, where it 
becomes re- a really useful tool because mm-hmm. it's it's something that I felt like I didn't know enough about and I still I still don't yeah um but yeah if you're if if this is sort of something that you want to expand your own knowledge I think this is going to be like the first first place like there was there's so many like little bits that I've just like tapped um I haven't written my review on this either so I want to put put something together that like yeah you know gives it a bit of justice yes (laughs) um but yeah I I learned I learned so much and there were there were bits of like of our history that I was just like oh I I had absolutely no idea that it all went back that far and like when did it when did it become a problem Mm -hmm. to be transgender yeah it's a very very interesting read um the chapter on uh transgender um within uh, being transgender within the umbrella of feminism as well particularly interesting because i think that's something that is used as a bit of a weapon these days in the yeah. media um yes. so that that in particular i found very interesting um but yeah it's it's a book that i think everybody should own and read it's just one of one of those that it's a must have see that little bit that you've just said there that chapter that's reminds me of um you remember when i'd read tell me i'm worthless which i don't think you'd enjoy because of the style of the book very (laughs) horror um but it was that similar kind of theme of um transgender within feminism um yes all of that i thought thought was really really interesting and how that was um such a negative pervasive kind of thread that ran throughout that book sure. um so yeah I, I i'd be interested to pick this one up and read it mm. it talks a lot about class and um racism racism as well like all of the, there's a lot of stuff in here that doesn't relate solely to being transgender yeah. as well so um yeah she's she's just got a lot of cool ideas that it, it was thought provoking <laughs> <laughs> that's the word of the day um, yeah it's a bit i've actually just swapped my last two because i want to pick up on what you said there so uh, that book with regards to the transgender issue sounds similar to the book that i'm going to talk about next which is another non-fiction read called what white people can do next from Allyship to Coalition by Emma Dabiri, um, which sounds like it's almost the same kind of book, but this one uh, tackles racism, sure. um, but from so much wider of a view than just what is racist, what is not. It goes into the history of um, capitalism, colonialism, how it all perv- like feeds into each other, Um and as you've just said there, like, when did it become a problem to to be transgender? The idea that before racism was a thing, the idea of different skin colours was just nothing. It was not yeah. anything that people considered. Um, and I thought it was so well written, a little... It's not actually super short, but it's a, it's a small book, so it's, like, easy to put in a handbag and carry with you. Um, 
and it's got a very pretty cover so it's like fully disguised I'll show you it there it's got little flowers <laughs> yeah, on the front nice. fully disguised as like a flowery little book but actually it's just a lot of history and hitting. really really interesting takes on um, racial injustice and what we can do not just white people I read an interview that she'd done that said she could have called it what everyone can do next but it wouldn't have made such an impact on the shelves and sure. um so and it is it's our responsibility as much as it is anybody else's to stop it if that's possible yeah. um and it's so it's so easy for us to say sitting here and be, as people who think how we do and go why is this not yeah. easy for people to see um yeah. but what she explains is that it's just so deeply ingrained within every area of society sure. um yeah that it's it isn't just one small thing that you can change and it fixes the problem yeah it's dismantling the entire yeah thing isn't it yeah yeah um so yeah really really interesting book i like you haven't put my review up for it yet because i don't want to say the wrong thing (laughs) i want to be able to do it justice and and pick the right quote and be like this is what we need um but yeah great great little book which kind of leads me into the last one, which I'll talk about now, which is Outraged by Ashley Dottie Charles, uh, subtitle Why Everyone is Shouting and No One is Talking. So um, Ashley Dottie Charles is a radio presenter on BBC One Extra, I think. Um, She has written this book, I think it began as an article in The Guardian, maybe, where she um, basically talks about the kind of empty rhetoric of like activism online and like following the black lives matter movement that when everybody put a black instagram square and then forgot about things two weeks later and nothing really happened about it um Mm. so it's a really interesting look at kind of social media activism and people saying that they're doing things and being very angry about things but not actually changing and affecting real change um it focuses on the kind of black lives matter movement and racial injustice more than anything but it's it's across all all kind of aspects of activism online that if you're not actually out there on the street you're not going to be affecting that change um Mm. and the idea that we've become this culture of saying that we are angry about something but not actually being angry about it enough to do something so really just a really really interesting um enlightening and quite funny sometimes the way that she talks about it is very matter of fact and straight down the line um there's a whole chapter that she devotes to the horror that is katie hopkins (laughs) and right (laughs) and how this idea of being a shouty angry person gets you far more um, attention than being somebody who's actually doing something good. Um, So, yeah. Yeah, I think there are a lot of people that make their living that way, which is a shame. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's smart. That's it. And there ends your pile of little books (laughs) that ends our thought-provoking episode (laughs) great well there were lots of lots of good ones lots of very interesting ones hopefully a few that people might not necessarily have heard of that yeah would be interested to 
pick up, especially if they're dinky ones that are sometimes good to have on your shelf for if you're feeling a bit lost as what to, <laughs> yeah. what to go for next. I think, um, yeah, the little ones are good. Or just have them on your shelf ready for the end of the year when you're panicking about trying to yeah. fulfil your own stupid Goodreads goal. <laughs> I didn't even I didn't even beat it, so I wasted all of that time <laughs> reading three books in a day. <laughs> it wasn't a waste though, because no. they were thought provoking. They were really good, actually, so. genuinely really good books. I've read some of the best books of the whole year. I read in the last week. <laughs> yeah, so there um. you go. <laughs> There's always time for a good book. Great. So that was our little short stories episode. Next episode, we'll be back to a featured read, which will be on tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow, which we've not read yet. So nope. can't could, give anything away yet. Could be great. Could be terrible. I feel like that's unlikely, given what I've read from other people. Yeah. Who read it, but who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Might be unpopular opinion time. Um. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to reading that one. If Waterstones ever sends me my book. Oh. Yeah. Get your act together, Waterstones. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, I'll have to find it elsewhere, won't I? Never mind. But on that note... <laughs> <laughs> Rhiannon's going to go and sit and wait at the door for the postman. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's no point because it's not been dispatched yet. So there's no point no. in waiting at the door. Um, yeah, so I think it's unlikely that I'll get it in time for... But anyway, that's by the by. Uh, we'll talk at you later. Yep. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. Bye, everybody. Bye. Hi there. Thank you so much for listening to Two Girls, One Book podcast. If you like what you heard, we would love for you to like, follow, rate, subscribe. In fact, just all, all that good stuff, please, would be fantastic. You can also find us on Instagram at Two Girls One Book Pod, so come and follow us over there as well. Happy reading and join us 